Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Good, Russell. How are you? Good. And Michael Jello. Mike, how are you? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? I, I do feel like I need to update the audience. Mike got no-showed on bowling tonight. I don't know how another team, another it, bowling it, team can do that. It's really poor sportsmanship. It's no, just, they actually they actually pre-bowled. They knew they were going to be busy on Friday, so they put, took, took another day of the week and bowled. They pre-bowled. They pre-bowled. I don't even know what that means. We, nobody cares now. All right, we're going to move on. Um, Let's like record. It's like record. It's like recording a podcast in advance, except you're in a competition. <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. Okay, that's so, not bad. So let's let's talk. We're going to start off with the Philadelphia Flyers and and just talk about the uh, the goalie carousel and how now they are. Sticking with Brian Elliott, even though it doesn't make sense because you know, eventually Carter Hart will come back and Carter Hart will be back in net. But they have Cam Talbot, but Cam Talbot, you would think they're going to sign for next year, but you won't really know because they're not really playing them. There's really no sense to it, Ant. I can't make any sense to it. I have a, my, my feeling is that they're kind of riding Elliott right now and just sort of looking at him as, 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 as the hot hand, although some of the goals he gave up against uh, Washington, specifically yeah. the one Connolly was uh, – that was eminently stoppable. So I do. I think there. I think if he does not perform well tomorrow, I think you could very well see Cam Talbot back in net uh, on. You could see Talbot potentially in net on Monday, and right. then I think sometime next week, possibly. I, I don't know necessarily. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a bad idea to put Carter Hart back in as soon as you can, potentially by Thursday against Washington. But that that's again going to be a. a a, a tough draw for him oh, yeah. uh, coming in. So, But I think at that point, if he's healthy by next Thursday, I think at that point you kind of have to he's, – he's, he's the guy who gives you your best chance to win. Right. So I think in that circumstance, that's probably what will happen here. But, again, I think this is one more opportunity, I think, for Elliott before, Car- before Hart becomes healthy. And then I think – but you, you'll then have a rotation. I think at that point they'll, they'll focus in more on – Seeing what they have with Hart starting and uh, and and spots spot starting Talbot because they need to they, they're going to need to see what they have in Talbot here and yeah. I, all things considered I think Talbot's been in the in the very limited action he's had I, I've liked what I've seen out of him I think Same he here. and Hart have the potential to be a good partnership next season it's just Brian yeah. Elliott's basically just ringing up some things here on the resume here and kind of hoping that he's able to uh, audition well for his next job and that's basically what he's doing right now. Yep. Mike? Yeah, I'm a little puzzled that they're going so heavy on Elliott. I almost got the feeling that are they, are they not playing Talbot because they, want to, they don't want to have to justify signing him if he does badly in the last few games of the year. I mean, is that possible? I mean, otherwise, it's like Elliott's been inconsistent all year. I know he's, he's, 
you know, he's, he's been had a hurt hot for most of the year. He's been hurt for, well, for a good part of the year. So that too, but, but still, still, I mean, I, I mean, you, you go with the hot goaltender and Hart, you overplay him, And now you go with a guy who's been, as you just said, hurt all year. I, I know that he's been streaky throughout his career, but you would think you would go with the guy that you just traded to get. Instead, they went with you the guy. You would think, that, but again, at the same time, when when Elliott is actually has a, gets a start or two, and they're pretty good starts, at this point, you're kind of going with you know you're kind of rolling with with whoever has got the hot hand at the moment. And I'm not again, I'm not saying Mike that that Elliott is you know after the last game, I do have my concerns. I thought the cat, he played out amazingly well against the Islanders with a shorthanded lineup uh, with only 17 mm-hmm. players in front of him. Uh, so I think they are going to basically look at that and say, hey, we're going to give you one more opportunity. You, you, if you think you have the Islanders' number, then he's going to get that opportunity one more time. But my gut is is that he's down to his last two starts at most before Hart's in net. And, again, if, I, if he does – if he has the same – if he has a similar performance against the Islanders this time that he had against the Capitals, I don't even think the Flyers think twice in that circumstance about putting Talbot in net at that point for Monday. Yeah, the other the other thing that's kind of irking me, and I think Gordon's done a, a fairly good job. Don't get me wrong, but the defenseman at forward, it's like you, uh, you, you're giving a guy ten minutes. It doesn't seem to be helping their defense. I really, it, it's it's not really sitting well with me. I'm not a fan of it, but I don't think they are too much either. I mean, I would, from prior comments from Gordon, I think it's almost a case of like they feel like it's. Kind of a deal with the devil, but it's a necessity at that you know at that point. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly you're, I'm no not a proponent of of an 11-7 setup. Especially we saw that against the Islanders, you lose another forward, you yeah. you're really you're really in rope dope mode for the remainder of the game and having to ride yeah. and having to ride your defense and your goaltending about as hard as you can uh, going in late. And obviously you're adding minutes uh, for a lot of the players, you know, a lot of the forwards. Uh, in those circumstances that are going to be doubling up, you kind of have to play your. You you don't have you don't have the the luxury of of light shifting your fourth line fourth line forwards right. when you don't really have a fourth line. So, yeah. Nope. Good point, uh, Mike. So the uh, Leafs. Uh, I would have to say a lot of people in the media have <laughs> have waned a little bit from the early season excitement of John Tavares, and now they're sort of getting the treatment like. Can they even get out of the first round? I can't say it's not justified. I just think it's like bizarre how this how this season's gone for them. What's your take on that? Well, I think that the sort of souring towards you know the, the Leafs over the last few weeks has really come about with the injuries to Gardner and Dermott. I mean, their defense was I mean to be kind crap. Uh, at, at, you know, Wait, saying crap is not kind. That is not well, kind. I'm ha- just letting ha- you know that. Ha- half of it. Well, I know I'm being I'm being facetious. Bite your half tongue, Jello. Yes, half of it. <laughs> half of it was pretty good. The other half, right. I think, has been has been underwhelming for most of the year. And you know, Gardner, in spite of the fact that he's has a propensity for defensive giveaways, it was a 20-plus minute defenseman. And in his absence, Dermott would probably been the been the one that t- to shoulder the uh, the ice time. And then he goes down uh, the game after that 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 Gardner's hurt. So I think you know, right now, and they see the Bruins, you know, get earning points in 18 straight games. And you look at the situation where they lost to the Bruins last year. 
uh, when they were leading going into the third period, and you just put two and two together and say, okay, Leafs are going to try to outskill the Bruins, and I don't think many people think that's going to work. So I think right yeah. now, you know, right now it, it seems like a long shot that they're going to finish in second place. So you're yielding home ice advantage to the Bruins. Uh, you know, you ha- I think you have the better goaltending, but Tuukka Rask hasn't lost in regulation since December. Um, <laughs> they've done all this. By the way, I want to stop you there. And there is still a good portion of the fan base that doesn't like him and, and still puts out these things like, yeah. we want Halak. And it's just that, lunacy. It's lunacy. Yeah, lunacy. yeah. And and then they've they've done more than half of this eighteen straight games without their best score. So what is it right. you like when Pasternak comes back? I mean, you know, there there are reasons to be down. And you know, if you have to play Martin Marinson more than five minutes, you're in deep deep trouble. So right now, that's the reason why I think uh, there's a lot of panic going on in Leafs Nation. And what's your feeling? I mean, it's tough, certainly. I mean, the, the Bruins have been just phenomenal on home ice this year. I think they're 26-7-3 they're and three on home ice this season. Obviously, as Mike stated before, currently they're 9 out. You know, they're they're um, they're currently unbeaten in their – well, I mean, 9 nine oh and one in their last 10. They've won their last five in a row. Um the Bruins look like they're firing on all cylinders, and again with home ice advantage when you're when you're playing that well. And again, you know, we could say that the Leafs can out can, can outskill the Bruins, but I think the Bruins have enough up front. I think if you especially if Johansson is healthy uh, by the time the postseason rolls around, that I think he gives them a little bit of that extra, you know, offensive creativity on their, you know, throughout you know throughout their lower lines. That I think they they can hand, they they've got enough skill in that Boston lineup to be able to I think to match up with with Toronto in this circumstance. I agree with Mike. I think the goaltending matchup goes to Toronto's favor slightly, but I think overall I don't think it's so much of an advantage that it would help them. They they really need I think Toronto really needs home ice. And they need basically the wheels to fall off of the Bruins. I think at this point yeah. to at least be able to host a series. And at this point, I just it, it's tough. I mean, we're at 67 games that both teams have played. They need basically the Bruins to really cool off, and the, and they need to be able to kind of be able to overtake them. And again, to the least credit this season, they've been an excellent road team. Um, so I think that's. But again, going if you're trying to match the two of them up, considering how the Bruins have had Toronto's number in the postseason the last few times that they've met, it, it's definitely a tough spot for the Leafs. And, and Mike, can, and when, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, can you explain um, the extension for Garrett Sparks? Uh, well, I mean, Kyle Dubas has been ex- extending a number of their – I think he's doing a lot of, uh, you know, sort of uh, – bookkeeping work while he can, clearing, clearing the, 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 the path that he uh, is going to have in the summer because you know, the big three of Janssen, Kapanen, and, and, uh, and Marner are the ones that he's really going to have problems tackling, but he's getting all of his other RFAs signed like Kali Rosen and Andreas Borgman and Sparks. Sparks was going to be an RFA um, at the end of the year. They got him on a one-way deal for $750,000, and then he becomes a UFA the year after that. I, I mean, I personally, you know, I, I 
don't think that there's a lot of confidence there for Mike Babcock and Garrett Sparks. He's only going to use him probably in the second of back-to-backs uh, unless it gets to the point where they fall behind uh, in third place at the home ice advantage is not in the uh, – in the realm of possibility that maybe he'll give them a couple extra games there, but I don't think the confidence there. I think they, that Babcock wanted Curtis McElhaney. He didn't get him. Um, they were going to lose one or two of the goaltenders and they ended up doing that. But I think that that's sort of a, uh, a symbolic thing with the Babcock with not just his goaltending, but with some of the other parts of his lineup. I mean, he made comments after the, uh, the game in Vancouver about him not being happy with his options on the fourth line. And obviously by the usage of Marinson and Justin Hall, where he used them about 10 minutes and used the other four over 24 minutes that he doesn't trust them either. So, you know, he, he says that after the post in the post game. And it's like, it almost sounds like he's laying the groundwork for the blame game after he loses in the first round. And that, that, I mean, I may be over reading it, but that's what it sounds like. Okay. And, um, and let's go to Columbus and talk about that situation for a minute, because nobody understood the other day why Bobrovsky wasn't playing. We didn't get any explanation. So we don't know. Corpus Al played okay, but I, like I was right. telling a friend, and it may have been Mike, I'm not sure, or it could have been a friend. Um, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Uh, Mike's not a friend. <laughs> I think the audience got that, we've, but okay. We've, um, we've established that, yes. <laughs> the, the interesting part about it is I just – Bob is the kind of guy that if, if, if you do have defense breaking down in front of you, he can make these great saves, and – sometimes game-saving saves, and sometimes can play a whole game that way. Corpus Allo can make a few of those, but he can't really keep it up for the, for the distance. So Torts does that, and then he puts McQuaid back in after saying, I don't think he's fast enough. <laughs> and he drew a couple penalties, but still, he's still not fast enough. And so, I don't know, is Torts out of, out of tricks here? Is he just at a loss at who to play at this point? Like it, just, it, it just seems like the ship's going down a little bit. It's starting to teeter. Well, you have to think that there's a high level, there's a high stress level right now for the, for everybody right now in the yeah. in Blue Jackets organization, especially after the moves they made at the trade deadline. I mean, it was very much a chip sold at the center of the table. So it's almost I, I do kind of wonder in, some, in many of these circumstances in terms of it's it's kind of like having I don't want to say like completely like having a completely new team to play with, and you have to kind of still figure things out with regards to – but you don't exactly have a ton of time left if you're Columbus. You're, again, 67 games. You're not that far ahead of, of, of Philadelphia in the wild card standings right now. Philly's at 72 points and they're 77. They can't really afford to give away too many too many of these games as they going forward. So yeah. I certainly found it rather curious that Bob wasn't in that. I do kind of wonder, you know, in some, as we're all going to wonder after what happened earlier this season with him – um, that, you know, we kind of have to figure that there's, is there some a personality issues still going on there? And I'm sure there's, there's I'm sure that situation is something that still kind of sticks in, in, in towards crawl. I have no doubt about that, no matter, you know, how much they try to paper that over. Yeah. So again, this is Columbus is in a very tense, that's what I could describe is that they're in a very tense, tenuous situation. If they, after making all those moves, don't make the postseason, we know where those, the fingers are going to 
point. And it, it could be, I mean, the GM obviously is going to be looked at, but at the same time, they're going to look at Torch and say, we gave you a lot of parts to work with here. you got to yeah. make it work. So, no question. Yes, uh, yeah, Mike, what's your, what's your take? Well, the funny thing was, I mean, we talked about it on the Buzzcast after the deadline. I mean, the, the fact that they added so many players to the to their roster, I mean, it it takes it does take time for these guys to sort of learn, you know, where one goes when you know a guy is crossing the blue line. And, you know, you know that that sort of un, subconscious thing of knowing where your line mate is going to be, and when you add, you know, Dezingle and Duchesne and um, McQuaid, you know, to to that group, and and the one that I thought was the strangest was was Kincaid because Corpusella wasn't hurt and Bobrovsky wasn't hurt, so now you're carrying a third goaltender around, and was it was it for this purpose so Kincaid could hold the clipboard while Corpusella plays in Pittsburgh? Yeah. I, I, I did. I didn't get the move. I mean, I understood it if, if one of them was hurt. And there was even, you know, intimations today when you know we were like I was watching Hockey Central and and former uh, uh, Blue Jackets GM Doug McLean was saying, well, maybe, you know, I thought Bobrovsky tweaked something in the game against New Jersey, and that might be a reason why he didn't start. Well, I think he practiced today, and he's going to start against Pittsburgh tomorrow. So there wasn't a tweak, and I don't understand the move. And honestly. Um, I think what they did at the deadline was the ultimate in stupidity for one reason. They were a borderline team at the deadline. If it was Tampa or Boston or Washington or a team that was a, a, a legitimate favorite to win the Cup, I could see them trading a bunch of draft picks, selling out, pushing all the chips in the table, in the middle of the table, going all in. This was a team that was going to barely make the playoffs, and you do this, and I think – you know, Kekalainen is risking his job and probably Tortorella's I, job is in danger. I think in many ways I wouldn't be surprised that they were already that, – that, that's, that's the marching order that they had going in here, Mike. That's what I'm thinking is the fact yeah. that I think Yarmo and John and, and Tortorella are both on the hot seat. So Yarmo is giving this, I think – I think these moves read as a general manager who is – right on the edge that and at least that's my that was my read when i saw those deals that yarmo that to me if kekalainen doesn't do if they're not, if they don't make progress this year there could be a big clean there could be a potential clear out for both the gm and the coach to me that's the way the those moves read yeah i can't i can't say no i think i think yarmo's safer but i'm kind of hope hoping towards is safe now because there's a rumor that uh columbus may be playing in china and I really do need to see John Tortorella play, you know, coaching in China. I really, there's a lot of potential. I don't there. think that's gonna make. I don't think that's gonna make him safe, and you know that. You're just kind of hoping. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of potential there. I'm gonna leave it at that. So yeah. let's talk about the Penguins, Ant, because I, I, I was getting a little ripped on the Buzzcast two days ago. <laughs> excuse me, before the game, when I said they are a lock. I look at them and I say they are a lock to make the playoffs. I see Murray playing well. I see Crosby taking over games. I don't care that their defense is a little short. I don't care that we could look at the rest of the lineup and find little nitpicky things about it. I think they just have enough guys that know how to win, and I think they're going to figure it out, and I think they are figuring it out. And I, So I'd like to see if you disagree or, or if Mike disagrees. Uh, I, I think of late, certainly, Pittsburgh's had a good stretch of late. They've won three in a row. I think they've looked good, certainly since I think the uh, 
the uh, the stadium series game. I think they've definitely uh, how that kind of fell apart on them and how yeah, Murray, yeah. you know, Murray's goal. And you had to sort of wonder in that circumstance, you know, is that sort of a situation where, you know, a team would have, you know, that, that can that be a potential like a breaking point for them or at least a, a turning point in the season for them if they were going to really sort of secure things because they, you know, from majority of that stadium series game that we saw, they looked pretty good and then they were vulnerable very suddenly. So I think you got to give Pittsburgh a lot of credit for, you know, shoring things up and solidifying things since then. Um, my, my feeling is the Penguins will definitely be in this dance, at, at, you know, at the very end. Now, how far they're going to go in the postseason, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's up in the air. Right? Although, Although again, if you if the postseason started now and they're matching up with the and they're matching up with the Islanders, um, I would take I them out of the Islanders. I, I think most people would have the Penguins would have the Penguins over the Islanders in in that series just from the pure experience standpoint, uh, and you know it, it just overall you know talent pool um, situation. Although I would say probably the Islanders have the better defense right now um but goaltending i think definitely would go to pittsburgh and overall offensive depth from pittsburgh would probably uh win out in that circumstance but how deep they go if they end up having to play a washington again pittsburgh i think they're gonna have trouble against the caps yeah mike um i I do have breaking news first i I got like a popcorn kernel that's really stuck in my teeth that's bugging me but (laughs) i'm gonna try and get through the show Um, that's some breaking news all right What's your feeling about the Penguins, Mike? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I agree with your assessment that I think that they're, you know, of those four teams that are, are fighting for the wild card and one of the third-place spots uh, in the Metro, I, I think, you know, I, I, I've always been a little hesitant about Carolina. Um, I'm still uh, not assured about Montreal and their abilities to score, but Price has been – more like Harry Price the last, I'd say, 20 to 25 games. The one, the, the team that's the most is solid in terms of, you know, the talent that they have and their pedigree is, is Pittsburgh. And now we know their defense is wounded right now. They're playing, you know, they, they got Gabranson. They, you know, they're playing guys like Zach Trotman on the blue line. But they have Crosby and they have Malkin and they have Murray so, and Latang. So I think pedigree will rule out. And if they finish in the second wild card, that is the last team I think Tampa Bay wants to play in the first round. I agree. Uh, I do have a little bit of real breaking news now. So the Kings, this is kind of interesting because they demoted rookie Matt Luff, and he's the only player with a goal in their last two games. It sounds like they're in full tank mode. This sounds like what, what the Leafs were doing a, a little while ago and, and any other team that's ever tanked it. Any, any disagreement there? No, there and I don't blame them one bit. Yeah, I really yeah. don't. It does seem that way, though. Uh, I I've been trying to dig in on the Vitelli crap stuff thing because crap stuff thing because it's interesting because he's definitely the team wants him to come over, but of course you have to negotiate with that team, right? And they're going to hold their hand out. So the Rangers are negotiating with him, and it looks like he can play ten games in the NHL with signing and not have be at risk to to be protected in the eventual Seattle expansion draft. So now it's sort of like a, a holding pattern until the Rangers are able to come up with this deal or not. And it's been a couple of days already. And so 
and it's always one of these things where, like, fans always want to see the guy. Like, I've had so many fans say to me, yeah, I, I heard he's really good, but I need to see him here. And it's like, well, you can see this guy. It's not like, you know, there's YouTube, there's the World Juniors where he shined. You can see him. You, you may not have seen him on North American Ice, but you definitely could see him. And it's just, I find it interesting that that, that has come up a lot, but a lot of anticipation for him. I think it goes back, obviously, to his draft, to, to the draft year. How much of a you know a, a, yeah. a mystery factor he was, the boom bust factor is on him. Yeah. So I can't necessarily turn around to you and blame you that again. You want to see how he looks at the top, you know, at this level. You know, saying how he looks at ju- World Juniors is one thing, but it's a whole other you know thing to be playing in the National Hockey League. Uh, in, you know, so, and so in my mind. I, I definitely get that fe- understanding of that feeling from uh, from Ranger fans in that circumstance. But again, um, I do think it was the right pick for them in that spot, I, and I, I, I think he's, he, he's the, he has the ability, potential ability, to be a game, to be a, a major difference maker for the Rangers going forward. Yeah, and you want to see that. that. And you want to see what he's got. You want to see what his capabilities are, even if yeah, even and, in a and short again, window. sorry. I was just going to say, you have to. I do have to caution people, though. I mean, he is going to make a transition. I mean, luckily, you know, they had the Mestikov and Buchnevich, and that should help as far as, you know, rooming and getting used to North America and customs and everything else. But in a 10-game window, I, I, I wouldn't get crazy if he's not scoring a lot of points just because of the transition. But what's your thoughts, Mike? I mean, you saw how Zaitsev broke in. I mean, it's not easy for Russians to break in this league. No, but like you said, there is a little bit of a support structure there. You know, yeah. there is a there is a Russian community in the New York area, so that'll 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 you know I think make the uh, you know the transition easier. I, I think you know right now what the Rangers are thinking, let's just get them signed and let's get them over here. You know, I think yeah. a lot of NHL teams are paranoid about a, a Kaprizov situation where you've got this gem over in the KHL and he's not coming over, and you may never yeah. get him here. So get him signed, get him to North America, and get him started down the path. And, you know, maybe he plays in Hartford next year. Maybe he plays at the Rangers. But, you know, just get him signed and get him over here. Yeah, and that's fair. I think he'll get every chance with the Rangers. And then for some reason, if there was a hiccup, like, starting next year, then maybe he would go to Hartford. But I can tell you his plans aren't to start in Hartford. That's <laughs> that's for sure. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So we're um, – we're at the point of the program now where we might be talking about a, uh, a beer. And it's an interesting one because we all grew up watching commercials from really probably the most boring commercials in the history of television, Tom Carvel. He really had no inflection in his voice. He, he had no sense of showmanship or anything, but damn, his ice cream was good. And that's really all that mattered. And Drawing from that, Ant, there's, there's an IPA coming out, two of them, for Cookie Puss. Now, an interesting <laughs> fact, by the way, the, I have dislodged the, uh, the kernel, so all is good. I, I know the audience was waiting on that, so I'm feeling better now. But getting back to it, Cookie Puss, if you, if you bought the Cookie Puss cake, if you flipped it, it was fudgy the whale. Like, there was no difference. All it was was they <laughs> turned it over, put a few extra things on it, 
painted a face on it, but it was the same mold. But now we're talking about beer, and there's a vanilla, and there's a chocolate. And I have to admit, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm, utter, I'm, utter, I'm utterly, totally confused. Now, I will say this. I have had a vanilla porter before. Okay. And it's, I think, in and of itself, it actually is pretty good, pretty smooth, slightly slightly sweetened, but obviously still a beer in this circumstance. So it's just, if it's the idea of the whole having it taste a cookie puss and a beer, to me, it's kind of way, to me, just overdoing it. It's like, it's like stunt food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it to is like stunt food. It's like a, it's like it's it's like a beer made as a, to me is like that's like stunt. It's like you know what was that that pea? What was that old burger that, bur, that crazy burger place that was in Philly years ago? The one that that Sean, Sean McCoy got in trouble. Oh or, yeah, uh, I forget the it, name yeah, of it. They, that was their big thing. It's not like you could actually eat it. You did those, those burgers? They were just like stunt burgers where they you know were able to sort of put it out there. If you ate it, then you know. Yeah. The Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> That's a good point. And you reminded me that once Doug Gataldo and myself, Doug's a good friend, uh, when I was over at his house, I did have vanilla beer. It was like a big thing in the, uh, in the Chicagoland suburb. So I've had that. I've had a chocolate stout. But this is made with, with Carvel vanilla ice cream, Mike, and we all grew up on that. Most people in the Northeast have had some way, shape, or form a Carvel cake for some occasion, it got to the point where every occasion was that way for me, so I got sick of it, and then I took like a 10-year hiatus, and now I, I, I've loved it for like the last 10 or 15 again, but now this is beer. So what do you think about it in a beer? <laughs> well, I, I, have to, I have to say that when you sent me the, sent me the link and the picture of that, that I almost <laughs> vomited. I mean, it's, it's, it's grotesque. It, re- it really is. It's like, you know, what's next? It's, it's a Closing in on St. Patrick's Day, are we going to have the, a McDonald's Shamrock Shake beer? I mean, that, that, that's what we're I mean, getting. Somebody, you just gave somebody are, an idea. People are running out of ideas. This, this, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know you can get diabetes from from beer, but I think that the you're well on you your way. Kill your liver and get diabetes at the exact same time. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With your cookie push IPA, I mean, my God, I mean, yeah, I liked Carvel ice cream back in the day. I'm not going to try Carvel beer, sorry. Now, I'm a person who who likes vanilla ice cream, but you know, we know Ty Anderson hates it, and he <laughs> says it probably once a day on on Twitter. But the uh, on the press release, it says this is a vanilla celebration. Like, I'm not sure what that <laughs> means. Yeah, it, it means it means the PR has gone overboard. And by the way, uh, you know, even though Ty hates uh, vanilla ice cream, he does have some redeeming qualities. He hates ketchup. So, ah, but getting getting back to this though. So, if you think about it, in a press release, and a vanilla celebration is an oxymoron because if you play vanilla defense in football, you're basically playing the most basic stripped down football. So it's like. If this is like a great celebration, vanilla is not really the way people would celebrate. They would celebrate more with chocolate, I think. I would. My response to the PR department would be a simple one word, one word with a question mark. Clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a clarification as to what you define as a freaking celebration. <laughs> yeah. So the the name of the company is um, Captain Lawrence. Uh, I'm not sure that. 
the person's a real captain. They appreciate or not. you. They appreciate you giving them free publicity because, regardless, they don't care if it's good or bad. It's just they, they, our, our our name is in the their name is in our mouths. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah <laughs> let's just let, let's just go pick at them because they've run out of ideas. I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, it's fine. I mean. Again, I don't know what somebody would pay for this. I can't seem to find a price. But, <laughs> you know, I, I would say right now it's going to be a hard pass from probably from the from all of us at the show. So, you know, but that's okay. Maybe somebody out there wants it. It's all good. But that's going to be it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.